Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. We're at number 11. Can you believe it? Tomorrow we hit the top 10. Our journey through my 50 is almost done. I'm so glad to have had you on this journey right throughout the preseason. This episode, I'm pretty excited to do this one. Tim Taranto is who we're talking about today. One of the gifts that Champion Data gave us in December last year when the positions were announced. To talk with me about him is maybe maybe like assistant to the cheerleading manager of the Tim Taranto fan club. He's fairly high up in it, that's for sure. I'm talking about Louis. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, mate. And I'm excited as well. Tim Taranto has been one of my boys for a couple of years and uh, it's no surprise to see why. And I'm excited to talk about him in 2022 because we're lucky enough to have him as a forward. And it's not often that you have a forward that comes in priced at 108, let alone someone who's capable of 112 across the season. He's absolutely phenomenal. It's not the first time we've had him as forward eligible. He was in his second season and coaches that have played fantasy football uh, pretty much ever since 2018. He's been someone we've considered a legitimate premium across certainly AFL fantasy and dream team and in super coach now as a forward absolutely we're looking at him to be that his top score last year while he has picked up the mid forward status was a 145 against the blues in afl fantasy and dream team well it was against my crows in super coach a 139 that's his top score of the year a little bit higher though his career scores you've got to go back to 2019 for that it was a 156 against north melbourne in 2019 while that same year it was 144 against the carlton footy club his average last year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, just a shy of the 108 that Louis you just mentioned before. Well, it's a 97.3 in Supercoach. In that format, just a touch under 530K, just a little bit over 900,000 in AFL Fantasy and 919,000 in Dream Team. Louis, every single year this happens to us from champion data. Uh, they allocate the positions a week or two out from Christmas. And there's always one, two, three kind of guys that we get in the forward line that deep down we know they're pure midfielders, they're gun scorers, and the percentages just happen to fall our way. Now, we've got a couple throughout this preseason, but Tim Taranto was one that I know you and I and others amongst the coaches panel community, we saw that name, we saw the DPP, and it felt like in many people's eyes when the formats opened up, he should be one of the first picked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, a 107.8 average across the season. And a lot of that was to do with the first half of the season. We'll talk about why he is um, forward eligible in a little bit, I'm sure. sure. But across those first 19 rounds, he's a guy that actually averaged a huge 113. Yeah, in AFL Fantasy Dream Team. Yeah, so high is because, unfortunately, just in those last couple of rounds of 2021, there was a slight role adjustment. Little tweak. Yeah, a little bit. And three of those games were almost exclusively forward. So you throw in three extra games where, yeah, maybe he rests there a little bit. That's why yeah. we're suddenly talk about, talking about him because he's just edged over that 
35% forward time, which is why he is such a um, an interesting pick now. Uh, it seemed like a month ago, he was someone that was almost a must-have, but because of certain circumstances in that Giants team, um, he's someone now that we're starting to arm and ar about and think, oh, is he someone we can get him cheaper after round six? Yeah, and I think that's the dilemma for coaches. We see what he can be because in a totality of the season, it sounds okay. You look at it, it kind of pre-buy, post-buy, and you go, oh, that's okay. But then as you're right, you drill into the numbers really deeply and you hear the narrative coming through the preseason. You know the absences that have caused the move last year forward. They still exist, exist now, if not further, have been kind of drawn out. It does create some alarm bells. But here is what coaches are excited about. Last year, that 107.7 average in Dream Team and Fantasy consisted of 14 games, seven tons over 120, and five additional scores 90 plus. Yeah, 19 games last year of his 22, 90 plus. And you're getting that in the forward line. Yeah, that ain't bad, my friends. While in Supercoach, it was a 97.3, 12 tons, three over 120, a further 490 plus, a few more poor scores with four under 70. Now, I should explain that the reason for the discrepancy, Tim's a seaball, get ball, contested beast, but he's not a finesse player. And so Supercoach is always going to be the format that he's kind of regressive, kind of drift away in scoring, not regress, but drift in the scoring ceiling compared to AFL Fantasy. There, he can be a beast. While in Supercoach, he can just be a very good player. Pre-buy, this is how his year went down. His averages was 115.18 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 101.3. He scored eight AFL Fantasy tons, six Supercoach tons. His top score in AFL Fantasy was 140. Well, his top score was 139 in Supercoach. His lowest score pre-buy was 86, while in Supercoach it was a 67. And he had a CBA percentage of 52% attendance. Now, let's turn the corner towards post-buy. And we do start to see the drift. He averaged 100 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 93.2 in Supercoach. You're already seeing some of that scoring regression. He averaged six, as I averaged, he scored six tons across the formats. 132 is his highest AFL Fantasy score post by. 131 in Supercoach. So there's that ceiling. By the way, he was playing forward in that game. His lowest scores, though, here's where the sting hits 51 in AFL Fantasy, 53 in Supercoach. And the clear CBA regression, 45%. Is it a simplistic, Louis, to just say, if he's a mid, he's the must-have forward of the year. But if he's forward, he's an upgrade target. Is it as pure and simple as that? Or is there too much complexity to make it a black and white statement? Look, MJ, I'm going to go out and say it's pretty black and white this year. Uh, He comes in priced in AF, where he's most relevant, at 904k. So we were speaking uh, before the podcast that, okay, well, he's going to have to go at 115, 120 across those first Just to hold the value. To really yeah. make it viable. Yeah. Uh, but then you look at some of those floor scores when he did have that role, and we think, and potentially he will in 2022 for the first couple of rounds at least, um, if he puts out a 70 or, you know, God forbid, a, a 51. Which he's done, yeah. 
all of a sudden, this is a guy whose break even is just going to go through the roof and his his uh, price is going to drop to what, 700K within just a couple of weeks unless wow. he can pull one out of the bag. Um, him as a forward is a must-have, but not for the first couple of rounds, not until we actually see something. And then all of a sudden, he becomes a gift in our fantasy teams, I think. Yeah, and he is such an intriguing player. The, the reason for such a dramatic move is Toby Green out of the side with a suspension at the back end of the year, and he's still out for a number of games to start this 2022 season. There was three games where it was really, really evident. Round 19, round 20, and round 22. Here are his CBA percentages across that those three games. 0%, 7%, and 11%. In those three games, by the way, I, I've kind of alluded to it already, but there was a monster super coach score in there because one of them was a 131. So don't just think it's cherry picking. He got a 91 in DT and fantasy, 31 in a 131 in super coach. So there's still a good scores in there, but this is what it should scare you. In those three games where he had those low CBAs, he averaged 69.6 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 80.3 in Supercoach. That's nearly 38 points per game below what he's priced at in Dream Team and Fantasy. It's around about 17 points per game in Supercoach. And here's the scary thing. No green in the side for the first couple of weeks when the magic number's at its highest and their value whew, can take a real hit. News just out in the past 24 hours, Daniel Lloyd is out with a substantial injury. He's been playing through that forward line. There's no real confidence, although Stephen Canilio has been mooted as a potential option. Leon Cameron's also not given us any sense of confidence about Tim's mid or forward role, because I think he even said, and we posted it at the coaches panel, Facebook and Twitter pages, he's really good mid but he's really good forward. We almost needed him, Louis, to be really bad at forward. So it moves. It's almost the equivalent when you first start um, living with your partner or you get married, like break some dishes early on so that she doesn't trust you to do that responsibility anymore. It's like, all right, don't worry about doing that. Okay, you're clearly bad at this. That's what we needed from him, wasn't it? Like do so badly in the forward line that we know you won't be put there. But you can have zero confidence ending, entering into round one, even if he plays through the mid in the preseason games, that Leon Cameron won't just flick the switch and chuck him forward. I, I don't see how you can have confidence in that. Uh, and I think that's the problem, isn't it? I mean, those couple of games where he played forward, he was really good. He, he was on, the reason they lost. They beat Richmond. He was very good. And on top of that, Leon Cameron in the post-match presser was super hot on him. He, he was saying he's our guy to replace Green. Yeah. Uh, and he, I think he actually even said he was Green-like. Yeah. So he's someone who, if he's going to perform like that up forward in the absence of a Brent Daniels, in the absence of a Toby Green, um, all of a sudden, well, yeah, he kind of fits the bill to play up forward. And look, I'm, I'm not going to bash him as a midfielder because he, no. he's a fantastic midfielder for the role that he plays. But you were right when you said he is a get-ball, kick-ball type of player. His disposal efficiency is terrible. No. But he brings the ball forward and then all the class in that GWS team come together to, yeah. to gel and to be the finals contender that they have been for the last five to six years. 
You know, yeah. the fact of the matter is that is Taranto's role. But at the same time, well, hang on. If he can provide something up forward, maybe Leon Cameron's actually identified, well, we're not losing much here. We've got a thousand guys that can run through that midfield. But without our, I think he's the captain, Green, or his co-captain or whatever. Yeah, without yeah. Our, without our co-captain up forward, all of a sudden our scoring power has dwindled. And I think that's a valid point. They're still trying to replace Jeremy Cameron. They've now got one of the most dynamic, whatever you think about Toby as a footballer, as a person, you cannot deny he is a difficult matchup inside forward 50. So just 12, 18 months ago, their two most damaging forwards are gone. And I think Tanner Bruins is going to be a really great young kid, but he's going to take time. Ian Bobby Hills, the same. It's going to take some time. His best role, without doubt, is through the midfield. But I think that's a really good point. His best is there. But is his best in the forward line what's best overall for the team for the first two, three, four weeks? That is what concerns me. And it's why, at his price point, I can't start him. And even if he goes 115 in Dream Team and Fantasy, over the first six weeks, you would normally count that a win. Well, he'll still drop down a little bit in price based on his average and what the magic number does. Even if he goes 110 to start the year in Supercoach, his price will barely hold, if that, based on his break-even. So for me, he's the perfect guy that you take on. Um, You'll cop a couple of hundred games and it'll hurt. I know it'll hurt, but you will pick him up more than 50 100, 150,000 cheaper, depending on the format you play. If you can time it right, know when Green's coming back. Watch the role and the structure. What are these others? How have they replaced this forward void that they're still trying to do? And then once you see them move back, flick the switch. 12 months ago, the time to buy Josh Kelly was once Lockie Whitfield came back and his role was moved. We will see the same thing happen with Tim Taranto. I think it's tied to Toby Green. I can't see anywhere else it's not. So when Green is back, then you're waiting another week or two off the back of that before you're going to get Tim Taranto at a basement price. I can't advocate to start him anywhere. But, oh, man, you want to get him. Because remember what did he do pre-buy before any of this nonsense happened? 115 in AFL Fantasy. 101 in super coach in your forward line you don't ignore those scores he's a gun he's a jet mj yes i'll I'll go further again and say that if you can get the timing right on tim taranto yes that is going to be a competition winning pick no i think you look at the forward line and you've got tim taranto mitch duncan josh dunkley maybe adam Talor. As sure. that like top echelon scoring. And yes, some yeah. might pop in there, but it drops off quite a lot. You know, yeah, there's going to be the ones that, that break out. And yeah, we're hoping the heenies and the butters yep. and these sort of guys. Yeah. But in terms of consistency, this is a guy that can pump you out 110 for the rest of the season. You yep. just need to time it right. I think you're spot on about that. Remember, in the seasons prior to this, he's got a, a year where he averaged 102.3. In super coach, he's got a year prior to the one just gone where he's averaged 112 in AFL fantasy and dream team. So this is in his wheelbag. 
The question isn't when will he move back to the midfield? Because I think he will. Um, sorry, if he will. The question is when. And when he does, like you said, timing it at the perfect moment. And only hindsight will tell you that. Although I think if we're honest, we could probably figure it out. That will be the difference maker in your side. You're going to want him in your end of team, without doubt. Starting, I'm not on to that. If you want to do that, be my guest. And if you want to back the 120, 130 train, and he does that, feel like a genius and well done to you. But I, I can't get in on that train. But where he goes on drafts, Louis, for me, is fascinating. And again, every format's different. So I think in Supercoach, it's a different conversation. Even 100 forward is a different conversation than a potential 110, 115 forward in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So, so we'll split them out a little bit. But where in those formats, maybe I'll take Supercoach if you want to take AFL Fantasy. Where do you reckon is about the right range to get him? And then where do you actually think people will go for him? Uh, the right range, range to get him, I'm thinking probably middle of the first round. Yeah, if you want him. Yeah, it's fair. Um, yeah, if, if you're really bullish on him, then I think that's probably a good spot to get him. And I think it's it's similar for where people will grab him anyway because he comes with that high average. He's going to be at the top of the list in most yeah. draft lists. Um, no, he's not a midfielder, which sure. we were talking earlier. You ideally do want to take that midfielder. In those first handful but, of picks. Yep. You know, some people are bullish on forwards or the top defenders because you do have that large drop-off. Uh, there's always that top three or top four, and then it's a big gap in between. So I could see somebody going mid to late first round, I think. Yeah, and, and I think that's that's about right. If if you really want him and you're in that pick five, six, seven range, that's the time you've got to jump. Because if I'm towards the back end of round one and I can get him and someone like a Clayton Oliver, a Christian Petrarca, a Zach Merritt, all at the back end of round one, early second. I feel like I'm winning draft day already um, in those formats. In Supercoach, it's a bit more interesting to me about what happens and where he goes. I think because there's some greater value in the top end rucks, like Gorn is more prevalent in that format. Even Darcy's more prevalent in that format. Um, Bontempelli moves into that top consideration where he might not say an AFL fantasy and dream team. I think he's a second round pick. Um, I think if you're going for him in the first round, you're overlooking someone like a Tuke Miller or a Max Gorn or a Tom Mitchell. Um, I just don't know if I could get behind that in a first round. Maybe if you're on the turn and you've got the one-two pick and you're picking him first in the mid-second, sure, fine. But yeah, for me, I, I reckon second round is about the right spot to get him. Um, he's not the number one forward in Supercoach in my eyes this year. But I think he's going to be very, very good in that format. And where he goes in keepers is a whole nother different story. If anything, this is the most valuable he could be. Um, and so he was always a good keeper league pick. But now as a forward, well, you might be getting a bit of an extra year of gravy on it. So that's an interesting one we might talk about another time. Hey, Louis, appreciate your work as we've discussed Tim Taranto on this episode. No, thanks for having me on, MJ. I always love to talk about Timmy Taranto, one of my favourite players, and uh, I look forward to watching him in 2022. Like you ne said, uh, if you watch him closely and you see when that CBA usage starts to uptick, then jump jump on because yeah. you've got the number one guy there and, and you're just going to be riding that gravy train. 
Yeah, it's very, very true. I, I think there may have even, if people wanted to deep dive to your Twitter, was it yourself and your mate Checkers that had some Tim Taranto uh, large memorabilia? Is that correct? Yeah. So, oh, geez. It, it, it <laughs> I won't bring dive. it up. Tim I, Taranto I, used to be on the back of our car. Yeah, in vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go and check it out at Louis AF on Twitter. If you want to go and find that piece of gold, we'll happily retweet that if someone wants to go through all the way. Hey, mate, as always, a pleasure chatting to you. If you want to go read the article, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv, as are all the other players revealed from number 11 right through to 50. There are hours of podcasts for you to go and check out plenty of articles that have been dropping every single day from me and all the lads at the coaches panel have been dropping some really great stuff you don't want to miss any of it at coachespanel.tv all right friends we're here the top 10 and if you've looked back through the players we've revealed so far i think if you're honest you're probably not going to get too surprised by who is left to come. Even over the past couple of days, whether it be with Rids, with Kane, with Louis, we've dropped some little nuggets about who's still kind of left to arrive. So I don't know if there'll be any names that'll shock you in the 10, but the order might. And the player in at 10 tomorrow, I guarantee you, you don't have him at 10. If you were to make the top 10 15 times, he's not the guy you've got at 10. You've got him higher. Why is he number 10? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 most relevant.